Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. And we're live. Here we are, Jimmy. You know, it's an important week. It's always Erection Day here at Fightful. <laughs> Is it? We don't always, have, always. Always. Well, with our sponsors, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. which we don't have today. But oh, we don't. listen, you boy, 191. I, I don't have anything to say besides I've always wanted to get to 191. Right. It is, it is closer to a, a real benchmark, Jimmy, an actual I come on here and I say, Oh my gosh! Uh, I was love. What would it be like to get here? It is close to an actual, honest to God benchmark, Jimmy. Episode one ninety seven. <laughs> <laughs> you are right. You are right. We're getting closer. So I saw Sean Ross Sapp. We're doing this on November fourth. I saw Sean Ross Sapp last night posted on Twitter that he wants a Canadian residency put into his next fightful deal. I, okay, let's just say. I, I come at a pretty good price for fightful. And I mean, okay, hey, hold on. <laughs> I'm not saying that I come at a pretty good price for Fightful. I'm saying. <laughs> are we off the rails already? We're two minutes in. Are we already off the rails? <laughs> oh, we have sponsors for that, too. I'm just saying that compared to what I make by design, as as I prefer things, I mean, pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. All all you got to do 
just about 3,000 Canadian. I can get a good studio apartment 500 square feet in Toronto. Right. Well, for you and your wife, she would love that. And my cats. And, your, and how many do you got now? <laughs> Six. <laughs> That'd be great. So I'm going to need a couple more litter robots, too. Yeah, a couple more. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. Did you hear about Tito Ortiz? <laughs> so that... Here's the thing. Whenever that question is posed to me, I'm like, oh, boy. But, yeah, yeah I sure did. Man, some real dummies. If they voted him in, they, they deserve did. him. They did. So Tito Ortiz won a, a seat on city council in Huntington Beach, California. And if anybody didn't see a little interview that he did, uh, and, and keep in mind, he's on the West Coast. Tito Ortiz was interviewed because he was running for city council. And he, he looked into the camera, and he encouraged everybody to vote, not realizing the polls had already closed everywhere. And he encouraged everybody to get out there and vote. So dumb. So dumb. Uh, Guys, if you're watching us live, leave a thumbs up, subscribe, tap that bell for notifications. Most importantly, donate a super chat, get your question or statement read on the air. I will get through these plugs really quickly. Just uh, donate super chats and get your stuff read on the air. If you want to ask several questions, I do a Q&A show on FightfulSelect.com every week. I break news on Fightful Select every day. But I'll be a little bit, I don't want to say somewhere different. I'll be back tonight, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm back hosting the AEW NXT post show. Uh, The way that I I like to hook that is a lot of people in AEW and NXT, they tweet about how they watch this show. So come on, give it a little view. Give it a watch. Uh, One of those people is MJF who I interviewed this week. We'll see a little bit from him later on. I interviewed Scorpio Sky. I interviewed Jake Hager last week. We've just got so many interviews coming your way at Fightful. Tap that thumbs up. Donate to Super Chat. What up, Jimmy? Jake Hager's a good segue to my next thing. What did you think of his Bellator performance last week? It was a good fight. Man, it was a a fight was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, There were a whole lot of people that expect anybody that he faces to be a cakewalk. I looked at the guy's record, and I was like, no... It is not that. This guy was like 5-0 and as an amateur, 2-3-0 or and as a pro, had finished all of his fights. Like, I knew he was going to be a tough out. And at heavyweight, as you know, Jimmy, if you throw your fist at somebody's face and you connect, you stand a good chance of knocking them out. Yeah. I thought it was a good fight. Hager showed some more of his boxing. He wasn't able to land a takedown, which was concerning, but I really enjoyed the fight. I was, uh, quite frankly, not impressed with Jake Hager. And nothing to take away from his opponent. I didn't know his opponent. His opponent, I don't believe, had ever fought in Bellator before. Uh, Jake Hager, Sean and I have talked off the air about this. He did an interview. might have been an MMA fighting. Or maybe we talked about it on the podcast, actually. He did an interview where he said he was ready for top competition. And so we were looking at the top heavyweights in Bellator. Seeing that fight last week, the top fighters in the division crush Jake Hager. Yes. They annihilate Jake Hager. He is nowhere close. Matter of fact, that was a split decision victory. Yeah. Right. He is nowhere close to ready for uh, for any of the top guys. And because he's 38 years old, I don't know if he'll ever be. Know who I'd love to see him fight? Who's that? Bobby Lashley. In MMA. Yeah. I think Bobby Lashley takes him. I mean, here's the thing. Bobby Lashley hasn't fought in years. He's in his mid 40s. Yeah, he still um, looks fun- incredible, though, of doesn't he? Of course he does. I, I tweeted. Bobby Lashley is now six years older than Arn Anderson was when he retired. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so- much so better condition, but yeah, yeah. Think. But uh, Lashley has not fought in four years, so I wonder how that would go. I get the feeling that Lashley's MMA wrestling would be a little bit better, but 
Uh, I think without a doubt, Hager's striking would be a lot better. I think so, so too. Yeah, I think Lashley's got the lower center of gravity. So uh, I think he'd probably want to take him down. And uh, I read that Lashley was, was talking to Bare Knuckle a while back. Yeah, I think he was. That's uh, a bad spot have, for Bobby Lashley, I think. We do have some super chats. Evan Wright says, Tito Ortiz, enter, his entrances to his speeches will be like his TNA debut. Complete maybe. silence and people wondering who they is. With a U.S. and it? Mexican flag, yeah, maybe. It was well. No, he said the impact entrance. Oh, where they did like the August three warning for months and months, and then uh, they did it, and they're like, "What?" It was so bad. Uh, Evan Wright says Brockville brother Jimmy Van. Hope your days are well. Excited for the show and the Q and A on Select tomorrow. It's a good one. It's a little shorter than usual. It's about thirty minutes, but uh, I did film it today. I love doing those Q&As, guys. I do uh, a Q&A every week on Fightful Select and a backstage report podcast where I give you about 20 minutes of just exclusive news. And, uh, yeah, what Tim Traver sends a super chat just to tell us his allergies are bugging me. Me too, man. Yeah. The season changing. Driving me nuts. I'm pretty fortunate. I don't have any allergies whatsoever. My, uh, my wife tells me that my stomach is kind of like a boiler. I can eat anything, and nothing wow. bothers me. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that way. I want to do, before we move on to the first topic here, which is a big topic, I want to do a, a, a quick weekly update for Grappling with Grief, my, uh, my nonprofit initiative. So today is November 4th. Today happens to be the second anniversary of the passing of my dad. And so I decided today was the perfect time to release a documentary that I made about my parents. The, the full-length, uh, hour-long documentary is up now. You can go to any of those channels that you see there, and, and they should be linked there. You can go to the website, graphingwithgrief.com, or grapgrief.com will take you there, too. Check it out. Keep in mind that I did not produce it with the intention of showing it to the masses. I produced it as a family keepsake, so uh, it, it doesn't have the polish of a Netflix documentary. But uh, check it out. Maybe it'll inspire somebody to, to looking for an outlet. You know, if, they are, if they're dealing with grief in their own life, check that out. Uh, this week, later this week, I'm putting up an interview with a lady named Jenny Hahn. Sean, this is the lady I told you about. She lost her mom to MS. She lost her sister to an overdose. She, she dealt with her own infertility issues. Then she was diagnosed with cancer. Then her father passed from cancer. Unbelievable adversity that, and, and the resilience that she has shown, and she's so positive and, and, uh, and bright about everything. So that is going up uh, later this week, so check that out. Yeah, make sure you guys check that out. I thought that when you showed me the, the trailer and everything for that, that it was, it was very well produced, at least. It looked yeah, really it's not bad. I mean, it, it's, it's better than a home movie. Yeah. You know, but sure. it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, like there's, there's some inside stuff in there that you might have to be a family member to understand. Sure. But again, I, I never produced it thinking I was going to I was going to uh, show it to the masses and life took me in a different direction. And so now here I am showing it. But uh, but that's that. I want to move on and talk about WWE's Q3 results. Uh, we're going to get some heavy into some business on the show today. So anybody listening that likes the business stuff, we're going to talk some business. I'm not going detail. I'm not doing a full rundown. Was it Carlos that did it for the for Fightful? Yeah, he does a great job. Okay. So we have all the rundown on Fightful.com. I'm not going to show it all. I'm only going to highlight kind of some high-level interesting things. So I had said for a couple of weeks my expectation was going to be that the revenue is going to be a little lower or a little higher than the previous quarter uh, because uh, they had the additional expenses from Amway and Thunderdome, but then they also had the, the talent releases and the furloughs. And that's basically what happened. Uh, they reported $221.6 million in revenue. They were up 19% year over year, but that's a misleading stat 
because Q3 of 19 did not have the new television contracts. Yes. So they like to spotlight the 19% growth. And sure, it was growth, but it's a little bit misleading. Operating income was 63.4 million. That's basically profit is operating income. Uh, and that was a nine-time increase, nine-fold increase over Q3 19. But again, it was mostly for the same reason. They didn't have the TV deals in place. They have less costs now because they're not doing uh, live events. Network subs are actually up year over year, 6% to $1.6 million. That's pretty good for them. Here's the thing I found most interesting about the quarterly results, aside from some of Vincent Man's bullshit that we'll get talked about later. One of the most interesting things was their e-commerce. This, I thought, was very fascinating. So they did $9.1 million in revenue for the quarter, uh, and, of course, they did $0 in live event merch because they had no live events. But in total e-commerce, they did $9.1 million. When you look at the Q3 19 numbers, so Q3 of last year, they did $5.7 million in e-commerce and $3.5 million in venue merch in Q3 last year for a combined $9.2 million. That means that they did as much e-commerce sales in this quarter then they did an e-commerce and live event merch in the same quarter last year when they had 74 live events in Q3 of 19. I think that basically backs up what we've talked about before. Yes. They need to trim live events once COVID is over. I'm not suggesting that they get rid of it entirely because I know guys like Daniel Bryan enjoy live events because they can be a little bit more relaxed. They also like them because they can test out new stuff with, before a crowd. So I'm not suggesting they completely get rid of them, but maybe you do one a week. You know what to I mean? To me, yeah. To me, when you're at that level, it's like, okay, you got to work some stuff out. Sure you do, but my God, this, is, this isn't like your local indie or something. You should be at the level where you can make that work on the spot anyway. Now, of course, there, there are going to be errors all along the way, but yeah, I completely agree. Maybe one a week and a super show, that way – People want to be on those live events, and if they don't want to be on the live events, well, then they don't have to work the live events. They can make less money, and right. some other people can, can make it. I think it's a win-win for a lot of those guys. I think so, too. I mean, you basically have TV once a week. Maybe you can do one live event a week. Once a month, you have a pay-per-view. So that means that at the most, you're working three days a week. And they again, they've already proven that they can do just as well you know, in, with their e-commerce sales without the live events. Uh, or I shouldn't say e-commerce, just merch in general. They can do just as well without the live events. And so uh, why put that wear and tear on the bodies of your talent? Why take that risk with your talent when uh, you don't have to do it? And everybody's on downsides now. So it's not like the live event uh, money that they would make is as, is as integral to their career as it was. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense to do it. So that makes sense to me that they would uh, at least reduce, if not totally kill. I think, I think if you ask most of the wrestlers now, they'd probably say, give me at least one a week because a lot of them are bored. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk later on about why they're bored, a little bit more bored all of a sudden. But uh, yeah, having them on the road five days a week, there's no benefit anymore. Like, I just don't see None. the need to do it. No. None. And you can kind of balance that out, too. You can be like, well, listen, you all are going to work less. So now us not offering these $800,000 a year contracts that we were offering last year, well, that, that kind of balances itself out. And it's going to change a lot of things. I mean, AEW hasn't run a live event yet outside of TV. They've right. not done one. Impact was doing more of them in February, March, then, then it looked like WWE was going to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think that you, you got to adjust with the times and 
people already weren't showing up to events. They're, they're not going to for a while after this anyway. That's right. Live events were a break-even business. Uh, and it seemed like the only reason they were doing them is because that's just what they had always done. It was, it was just kind of par for the course. But, remember uh, when B- Bischoff came in? That was one of the first things he cut out. He was like, okay, we're running live events. I, I mean, in WCW, not yep. WWE. Yep. He was like, we're running live events. Why? To say that we do, uh-huh. they lose money, so we're not doing it. Because mm-hmm. his his goal was turn $1 of profit. Right. And that was a big, a, a big turning point for them. Right. Yep. Now, when you look at WWE's Q4 outlook, and this ties into the Twitch thing, so I want to talk about this. When you look at their Q4 outlook, they made a point of saying on the Q3 earnings call that Q4 is going to be down versus Q3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason they said so is because they accrued costs, or there's going to be costs attributed to the quarter for Thunderdome, uh, anywhere between 22 and $27 million. They also said that there's going to be increased personnel expenses because employees are going to be coming back from furlough. And so uh, that's why they said that they think that, that, that they're going to be down Q4 versus Q3. I'm going to go a step further. I think they're going to be down in Q4 versus Q4 of last year, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I think that is because Q4 of last year, they had the TV contracts. And so they can't use that to show this big increase in revenue. Uh, and so I think that there's a chance that's going to happen. There's also no Saudi show this, this quarter in Q4. They had Crown Jewel in Q4 last year. So uh, I think it's going to be down quarter. Now, I'm going to explain in a minute how this ties into the Twitch news. But before I do, give us the latest on the Twitch thing. What's the latest you're hearing? Uh, who's shut down their accounts? Who's, who's, uh... Main roster. Main roster Main people roster? have to take it down. NXT is exempt for now. Really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know why that is. That's but... even worse. That makes it worse. Yeah, it does. But at least some of the NXT people that are not making the kind of money that people are making on the main roster right. are exempt from that. Hmm. They had a meeting, or people at least spoke with Vince last Friday to try to change his mind. Did not happen. There's a lot of very frustrated people. If I'm two people in particular, Paige, Zelina, I'm questioning whether or not I still want to be in WWE at this point. Because both of them, I would imagine, based on estimates, making more money sitting at home, streaming on Twitch, than they are being on WWE programming. And quite frankly... If WWE did end up firing either one of them, they would get wrestling jobs elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Even Paige, mm-hmm. to just exist on a TV show. Ring of Honor would probably hire her to be the face, like the, the general manager of their their women's division, or whatever that may be. Zelina would work anywhere the hell she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it would not be that big of a hit. Um, yeah, it's there's a lot of contention in, rela- in relation to the Twitch thing. Twitch more than Cameo, from what I, I understand. But, I mean, there are a lot of people that made good money on Cameo, too. Right. Twi- yeah. You know what? I, I saw Paige's, uh, you know, tearful video that she did when she said, I have to make a hard decision. She made a very good point. And, and this is something that people don't necessarily think about. The roster right now, they're working one day of TV a week. If you're Paige, you're working zero days of TV a week. Paige explained on her Twitch channel, I don't necessarily do this for the money or or the catalyst is not the money. I do this for my sanity. I do this because I'm at home seven days a week, 24 hours a day, basically, because of COVID and because of her injury. And I do this for my sanity. Uh, And I I saw a lot of people that were targeting her for that saying, oh, well, she's making an awful lot of money for that, too. Man, like there there have been times in my life I've been like, would I be better off working at a factory or something like that? 
And I thought, well, you know what I'd do? I'd go home, I'd watch Raw, and then I'd review it online. Right. I'd be doing it anyway. So why would I not monetize that based on whatever I can provide? That's what Paige is doing. If she can better her life and do something like this, look at Jeremy Lambert on our site. He's he's taking things that interest him, wrestling movies, video games, and he's making a success out of that. Why would you not set yourself up better uh, financially, psychologically, mentally, which often translates to physically? I, I oh man, and we, we do have a super chat. Daniel Bila Petrovic says, with all the Twitch stuff, what other freedoms can Vince take from wrestlers? I feel like he's going to take all he can without them being employees. He can't actually do this. If it goes to court, he would not win this. No, and that's yeah. one of the that's one of the few things when when somebody says, "Oh, well, if WWE took him to court, I'd usually go, oh, WWE's going to win, slam dunk, because they got a legal team." I don't think they would win this. It's not in the deals. It's just not in the deals. You know, the problem uh, with with this is that, with all due respect to the whole talent roster. Nobody is really a needle mover right now except maybe Roman Reigns because we have seen the SmackDown numbers come back up. There seems like there was interest in the Roman J. Uso story. So Roman might be a needle mover. Really, nobody else is. And, and you can blame creative. You can blame whatever you want, but that's just kind of a fact. I could see this man maybe looking at it like, well, they're expendable. If they don't like it, they can quit. I could see that being his mentality. And the unfortunate reality, and I, I don't want to you know, necessarily single, single people, people out, the New Day always said they would never break up. Yeah. They, they said it in interviews a thousand times. They said, we will never break up. If they want to break us up, we're not going to break up. What did they do? As soon as they were told, they broke up. And so that and th- this goes well, back to what— I, I, th- thought, I think it's a little bit different. I think they more meant they're never going to turn on each other. I don't think they were ever completely against the idea of ever like splitting, so to speak. I think their big thing was they didn't want to turn on each other. Okay, may, wrong, but. maybe, but when you saw them do the farewell on SmackDown, they didn't look happy to me, you know what I mean? That looked like that sure. was that was somewhat of a farewell type thing. Then you look at like an AJ Styles. AJ was pretty outspoken about the whole Twitch thing, and then he suspended his account like everybody else. I feel like part of the problem, going back to what we've talked about before with Roman Reigns, guys don't speak up. Sure, you'll have a meeting in the back with Vince, and as soon as Vince says, that's it, and, and, and we're done talking, then they comply. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you understood your value to the company, and if you understood that you've got some stroke, maybe you'd man up a little bit and not comply, but they all do. And I respect Paige because with all due respect to Paige, with all due respect to her, she's the one with the least leverage. I mean, there is the PR element because she broke her neck, and if they were to release her, that could be bad PR, and I get that. But in terms of her value to the company outside of that, she's got the least amount of leverage, and she's the one that's continuing to stream. So I got a lot of respect for Paige. Everybody else complies with what they're told. I mean, I, I think she has more leverage than other people because she – what's she going to do there? She uh, She's beholden to just like, well, whenever they tell me to show up, I show up because I can't wrestle. She can't wrestle anywhere else. You're right. You're right. Uh, but at, at- So it, it is, it's a little bit of both. Because she's also, if they fired her tomorrow, she would be more than just okay doing yeah. the streaming. So it's it's one of those where I do see where she doesn't have leverage, and I see where she has a lot of leverage. She can't just go wrestle in AEW. Like, that, that's not an option. You're right, but it's also a precedence thing. 
Yeah, sure. So, so it's almost like WWE says, this is what you're doing, and you're doing it today. And AJ complies, and Cesaro complies, and Selena Vega and Aleister Black, they all comply, and Paige doesn't. And what yeah. do you do now if you're WWE? What do you do? Because if you let that go, a month from now, AJ is back up again. He's streaming again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a precedence thing, too. It's, it's, a, it's quite the situation, but I, I want to explain why I think WWE is doing this. And I know people are going to say, well, they're doing it for the money, but it's more complex than that. It, it is about the money, but it's more complex than that. And I wanted to explain this. So in the corporate world, especially when you're dealing with a public company like WWE, you have to show growth for your shareholders, typically quarter over quarter, year over year. You have to show growth, right? You have to entice these shareholders to want to invest in you and to want to buy your stock because they're not doing it for a social life. They're not doing it for their health. They're doing it to make money. And so what you have to do when you're a public company like that is you got to show that growth. Because we're in a COVID world right now, WWE can't do live events. There's no Saudi show. They're basically relying on their, on their television contracts. Well, what else are they going to do to show growth in this world? They recognized, okay, maybe we can, you know, we see what's going on with Twitch. We see what's going on with Cameo. And they realized this is something that we got to do in order to showcase that growth. And that, I think, is why they're doing it. People can say, oh, they're doing it because they're, they're greedy and they want the money. And that's fair. But I think they're doing it because they feel like they have to. They have to show growth to their shareholders because otherwise there's no reason to see the stock continue to, to increase. And if it doesn't, then guys are going to pull out. You're not going to be able to entice new sure. investors. I think that's why they're doing it. They're doing it because they need to diversify in order to show that growth. The problem here, like we've talked about before, is there's an opportunity cost. And if anybody doesn't know what opportunity cost is, that means that it's the cost associated with the option that you didn't choose. Yeah. So in this context, I don't want to bore people with too much complexity, but in this context, let's say you got option one and option two. Option one is WWE lets them do whatever they want. Paige can keep streaming. AJ can keep, keep streaming. Cesaro can keep streaming. No problem. Also, option Zelina has kept streaming. Good. Good for stopped. her. Good for her. But that's option one is they let them keep doing it. Option two is they force them to shut down right? Option one, there's not really a financial cost associated with choosing option one because they're not making any money, but there's the sweat equity associated with option one because by not letting these guys continue, look at all the time and the effort and the injuries and the sacrifice and everything that all that talent has put in to get WWE these contracts, to get them $221.6 million in revenue for the quarter, and now you're potentially sacrificing all of that because morale is going to take a bigger shit-kicking. And what happens if certain guys, especially at a certain level, decide, my contract's coming due, I don't think I want to renew. I think I want to go and do something else. You know what I'm saying? There's that opportunity cost associated with it. That's where I think Vincent Mann is is, uh, a little blind. And like I told you, I think it goes back to him not caring because he thinks there's no needle movers, they're replaceable. Uh, The the brand is the the draw. You know what I'm saying? They're still in a talent war, Jimmy. Yes. Anthony Bowens, AEW Dark guy, who I, I profiled a year and a half ago. My God, he had interest from WWE, and he's like, you know what? I'm a little bit more comfortable with AEW over here and what they're doing. Ben Carter, AEW had interest. Impact had interest. WWE was able to get him. Right. Like, they are still in a talent war. Yep. And right now, there's a giant swell of independent wrestlers. Everybody was like, oh man, what are they going to do when AEW signs all these indie wrestlers? I remember. Replenished way quicker <laughs> than I could have imagined. Yeah. Like, especially on the female side, there's a ton of them out there. 
And if they got to look at things and say, okay, I have to wonder about creative satisfaction, length of the deal, money, what am I allowed to do, what am I not allowed to do, those are things that you all got to weigh in. And for different people, it'll be different things. Yeah, and obviously AEW can't hire everybody, and and I'm sure that probably also is part of Vince's decision-making process is, well, yeah, if I piss all these guys off, they're not all going to go get jobs someplace else. Some of them just have to kind of suck it up. But it only takes upsetting top guys. You know what I mean? Paige is one thing, and, and Zelina Vega is one thing. But let's say that Big E, who they got plans for and, and, and who's part of the, of, uh, of the New Day, let's say Big E decides, well, this is bullshit. I want to do other stuff. Uh, I don't know how how long his contract is, but he's one example. What if Drew McIntyre decided all of a sudden, I think I'm interested in this streaming stuff. Yeah. What, if, what if Roman Reigns was like, ah, I, I really like what I'm doing with Cameo. Now, another kind of caveat to this whole thing, and, th- and this is another kind of wrench in plans of a mid-card guy, Vince no- is, is notorious for taking care of his top guys. Yeah. And I know when the network started and there was all this talk about what's going to happen with pay-per-view uh, uh, payoffs and stuff, and we knew, well, he'll take care of Cena, he'll take care of Brock, he'll take care of those guys. And so it's the other talent that really has to worry. Same thing, I think, goes with stuff like this. Drew sure. McIntyre is taken care of. Roman Reigns is taken care of. Uh, Brock Lesnar is taken care of. I'm sure Bray Wyatt's probably taken care of. He takes care of the guys he considers to be the top guys, and it's the mid-carders and the, and the upper lower mid-card that, uh, that kind of have to fight for everything that they get. And that's the unfortunate reality. We have some Super Chats. Reminder, guys, get them in. Donate a Super Chat. Get your question or statement read on the air, and it greatly supports us. Also, slap that thumbs up while you're here. Evan Wright says, people saying WWE don't watch AEW Dark are nuts. They do. I, I can tell you they do because people pop up on their radar after they appear on AEW Dark. Right. Unless uh, maybe it was uh, Sean Rossab's interview with Ben Carter that put him on the radar. It did good numbers. Evan Wright <laughs> says, I don't know if you all will touch on the Super J Cup, I'm just excited for that. Give me Chris Bay versus all those guys. Hiromu, Ishimori, Ryu Lee, I need that. That's a little bit different. This is the uh, United States US version. version. It's not going to be the uh, BOSJ. But I'll tell you what, Chris Bay has a lot more responsibility than I think that a lot of people realize because he's an Impact wrestler, and traditionally Impact has not had a good relationship with New Japan. From Anthem kicking New Japan off because they wouldn't do stuff with them, uh, to a couple years ago, I know they had some bad agreement or bad business dealings with Jeff Jarrett, and they blamed Impact. Remember. To how Okada was treated in mm-hmm. TNA, to TNA switching a set of tag titles without asking New Japan. Like there has been long, deep-seated frustration there. And Davy Boy Smith Jr. said they don't forget, they don't care what regime is there, they just think of the company. So he's he's got a lot of responsibility. Ray Callahan said. Was that abrupt Q3 ending normal? No, it wasn't. That was very odd. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. I, I, uh, I had to kind of listen to bits and pieces. I did hear about it, but I didn't hear it for myself. So what happened? Just they ended a question. They said, we're going to end the call now. Thank you for joining. Bye. What was the question? I can't remember. Oh, well, it was political. They said this was after they answered a question in relation to Donald Trump, but... They did, and uh, they got a right question up. about Donald Trump. Yes, they did. What was the question? The very, very, and I can't remember. What oh, the hell? oh, okay. I've okay, done okay. a billion streams this week. Among <laughs> those included my talks with MJF and Scorpio Sky. We got a couple clips. We're going to show you both of them. Scorpio Sky tonight taking on Sean Spears. MJF taking on Chris Jericho this weekend. Take a look. 
was years and years and years ago. I was still, I'm maybe I was like two years into the business. I was watching, I think it was a PWG show or something. And I wasn't booked that day. So I was just watching it. And um, every single match was kind of similar. Everyone did like a lot of the same stuff every time. So I was like, man. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Except one guy, his name was Scott Loss. He was a guy who's local. You've interviewed him. Okay, yeah. yeah, he was a local guy out in SoCal um, far, far, far before his time. And he did a lot of things. Like, he was the only one to me as a wrestler that stood out that day because he did different things. Everything he did was different. The way he moved was different. And that kind of changed my, my mindset for the rest of my career because now, still to this day, I'll watch the shows I'm on. And I'll think, okay, how can I, how can I be different? What's everybody doing? Look at the patterns and try to be different from that. Even when it comes to dives, you know, you see a lot of dives in wrestling matches today. So I did, I did dive in like the tag title match with FTR, but before that I hadn't did a dive. I haven't done a dive since uh, February or something like yeah. that. January, you know, six months or something like it has been a long time. So I was like, all right, everybody's doing dives. Let me see if I can get away from that. I, I want to go through some names, and, and maybe we'll see if you can say a nice thing about them. Sure. Sue, Trent's mom. Easy one. Is it, though? Sammy Guevara. You know, some people might say he's talentless. Some people might say he's wildly short and scrawny. Some people might say he looks like he sells Adderall to middle schoolers. I wouldn't say that. And to all those people who claim he's a creepy little trollish-looking Justin Bieber dollar store wannabe. I say to you, how dare you? Because Sammy's my friend. Joey Janela. Pass. Uh, Mance Warner. Ha ha ha! How about Jake Hager? Perhaps one of your your inner circle. Oh my God, Jake! We're gonna talk about Jake real quick. Homie yeah. just got another W in Bellator. He's undefeated in MMA. Okay. And he is bar none one of the greatest athletes in professional wrestling today. He reminds me so much of, you know, a younger me. Conrad Thompson. Fat. Very fat. That's not a nice thing. Well, you know, in a sense it is because he has enough money to be as fat as he is. You know, he can afford these large, luxurious meals. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. She's definitely a dentist. I've heard that. We'll wrap it up with one more. John Moxley. Can you say can you say anything nice about him? He's really good at cheating. How about that? He's the best. He's the best at cheating in the world. We're life. Both of those interviews are up on youtube.com slash fightful or fightfulpods.com. They're on our podcast platforms. They are everywhere. 
subscribe to Fightful Select, get early access to our interviews. Yeah. I want to talk another thing about the WWE Q3 call, and the reason I want to mention this is because you know how sometimes people just believe everything they're told, Sean? Yep. That's how, that's how it is with people sometimes. So I like to kind of weed through the bullshit. Uh, and so I want to talk about this. So Vince was asked about ratings. Now, he wasn't hammered the way he was on the Q2 call because they were actually able to show some positives with uh, SmackDown ratings are going up, the Raw ratings, uh, you know, they looked like they weren't necessarily upticking, but they had at least flattened out. They had Thunderdome. They had the network subs up. Merch was up. Like, they had at least some positive things to look at. So he was asked about ratings, not hammered. He said, ratings aren't the only thing that they look at. And this is a quote from Vince McMahon. WWE ratings are what they are, but you just can't hang a hat on ratings being down. Then what did he say, Sean Ross? And when I heard this, because it's Vince, you just kind of grin. Vince said uh, they have far more fans than they have ever had. He said, WWE has far more fans than we have ever had, is what Vince with a straight face said on the earnings By the way, before I forget, Joel Pearl, who appears on uh, some some live streams with Jeremy Lambert here on Fightful, some game streams, he said the last question was about Trump and Vince on the COVID panel that Trump had mentioned earlier this year about how he's going to get visionaries together to talk about reopening the country and sporting events. And he says, Vince answered about taking part and droned on about fans coming back once VP or once things are done. Then SVP Michael White's uh, stopped the call. Okay. The only thing I can think of is they didn't want Vince to go too political. I mean, this I was mean, after the question was answered. Oh, like there was like a gap of space in between? Yeah, and and I got to say, Vince didn't get very political at all. He handled it pretty well. Okay, good, good. Uh, who knows? I mean, obviously they know. But anyway, I want, I want to tackle what Vince said about how they have far more fans than they've ever had. Obviously, he's talking about their social media numbers. And he's talking about their YouTube numbers. They have, I think, 65 million subscribers. They're like number six, I think, on all of YouTube for subscribers. And pretty sure that's what he was looking at. However, this is where there's a little asterisk, and this is where I like to, I like to weave through Vincent Man's bullshit. According to scroll.in, which is, which is uh, an Indian-based news site, what is WWE's biggest market in terms of Facebook engagement and India. YouTube viewership? India, number one, right? Not, not the U.S. This clicks are worth about, worth about half a cent, though. Yes, that, yes, yes. So the problem is, so India is number one. And if I want to go a step further, according to businessofapps.com, YouTube's most trafficked countries, aside from the U.S., are India, Japan, Russia, and China. They're their top four traffic countries. I wasn't able to find a breakdown for WWE beside uh, India and the U.S. being one and two. But you better believe that there's China in there. There's Japan in there. There's Russia in there. They've, had, they've been able to monetize Japan somewhat. But yeah. WWE has not been able to monetize the Indian market. And as you just alluded to, Indian traffic is worth nothing. Yes. It's worth nothing. So all these millions of subscribers and millions of views they have on YouTube, they're making nothing on that at all. They haven't been able to monetize India, and they've tried. In 2017, they made Jinder Mahal WWE champion. If anybody thinks that they did that for reasons other than trying to break into the Indian market, then you don't understand business, because that's why they did it. They also signed Kavita Devi and made, and, and made a point of saying she was the first Indian star that they signed. She's not she a top... Did. 
She did bonkers traffic for them too. Exactly, all Indian traffic making nothing, but that's that's what happened. Uh, they even said on the call on the Q3 call that they're planning an event in 2021 with Sony, Sony India, which is their uh, television partner there, in order to try to develop new Indian stars, and they're planning to air it domestically, probably on the network. I imagine. They're attempting to monetize India. They've made attempts to do it, but they have not been able to do it. I don't think they're, they're monetizing China well either, which is why John Cena uh, volunteered to learn Mandarin, because they want to try to monetize the Chinese market. Yeah. And, and this is a fact. And so for Vincent Mann to say they have far more fans than they ever had before, people realize WWE now is a television business now. They're a television content business. And those numbers that they reported, $221.6 million, they didn't report those numbers because of YouTube, and they didn't report those numbers because of India or China or Russia or Japan. They reported those numbers because of their U.S. television rights. And so for Vince to say that the ratings, whatever he said, uh, you don't hang your hat on ratings, you better damn well believe the ratings are important because that's where they make their money. And so uh, don't buy into this whole, they have 65 million YouTube subscribers. It's predominantly India. They're making zero dollars. On, on that traffic, and that is reality that they just don't really want to talk about. Yeah, what more can I say? Yeah. I mean, I get that they, they are trying to set set themselves up to eventually monetize that, but yeah, they they've tried. such a terrible job at doing that. I mean, it's, it's different. Some of it's out of their control because it's a cultural thing. Like when you look at China, for example, Vincent, uh, Shane McMahon tried pay-per-view in China and lost his shirt trying pay-per-view in China, yeah. it's because the, the culture, like in China, they just get everything for free. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. India, the same. Like WWE gets money from Sony India. Other than that, it's very difficult to monetize because they're accustomed to getting everything for free. Yeah, something we so, don't do here. Reminder, guys, donate a super chat if you want your question or statement read on the air. Rob Wilkins says, apologies to Logan, who he accidentally timed out in our chat. <laughs> and Eloquence says, Walter versus Dragunov was wild, right? My God, they beat the absolute dog shit out of each other. It was a brutal match. I loved it. It was the first thing that I was telling people, okay, you got to go watch this. And I watched it several days late. It was uh, outstanding. Uh, Evan Wright says, John Silver versus Orange Cassidy on the main card. How much potential do you see in Silver? Him scoop slamming Cesar Bononi on Dark was such a visual. So over. The the phrase that I used with Stephanie Chase on the, the pre-show, Jimmy, or the, the prediction show we did for Full Gear, mm -hmm. do you remember watching the rise and fall of ECW and Vince McMahon called Taz ECW sawed-off monster? Vaguely. I like that for John Silver, but he's got so much personality, and he's so funny and charismatic, but he's also this very small dude that can drop people on their domes if he so chooses. I think he's going to do a lot of cool stuff. I don't know if he'll ever be AEW world champion or anything, but right. I think he's going to have a very long, successful career because he's, he's shown his, his ability to get himself over. Well, you know, when, I I look, so. when I look at John Silver... I think of what could be with Chad Gable. Yeah. Because Chad Gable, I, I, I put Chad Gable over a lot because I just see so much talent in Chad Gable. Uh, and, and again, very much like John Silver, he can take a guy much bigger than him and basically toss him over his head. Like, he's such a great athlete and he's got so much strength. And when you look at now that AEW now is starting to showcase John Silver, that could be Chad Gable. Yeah. You know? and, well, I mean, I do think that Gable's missing the personality that, that Silver has, at least within that context. 
Yeah, um, maybe possible. Maybe he needs a mouthpiece or who knows. A lot, a lot of it is, is, like Paul Heyman always says, accentuate the strengths. Logan Hollingsworth says, no one puts Logan in the corner. Well, I mean, he kind of did, albeit accidentally. Again, guys, get those super chats in. we got about 20 minutes left in this show. So if you got something to ask, hit us up. I guess we'll talk full gear now since people are asking about full gear. So what are you most looking forward to on the card? Omega and Page or FTR and Young Bucks? Just because I've, I've wanted to see this Young Bucks FTR match for years, but the Omega Page build has been so perfect. I agree with Omega Page. Uh, and for me, I'm also curious about Jericho MJF. Uh, and... Maybe I'm uh, spitballing here, but I have this vision of where they're going with this, with Jericho and MJF. I think MJF's going to win. He's going to join the inner circle. And over time, he is going to trick the rest of the group to turn to him as the leader. And they're going to turn on Jericho, and Jericho's going to turn babyface. That's like my, my vision for what's going to happen. What do you think about that? That's what a lot of people seem to think is going to happen. He, within, the, within MJF being MJF, was like upset that I would even suggest such a thing. You know, because AEW likes to trick the smarts. I wonder if they're going to make like, that's what's happening, but Jericho catches it. And then Jericho gets them to turn on MJF first. Cause they like to do stuff like that. You know, they do. Yeah, they do. I I think that we're more likely to see Jericho as a baby face than MJF as, um, as one. Although I do think that one day, we're going to get, hopefully a couple of years down the line, we see a new heel come along that's so dastardly that, like, MJF is the only person that can out-motherfucker him. <laughs> and, and, like, you've got him with this real conflict. Like, do I stop briefly being a piece of shit <laughs> to help all the... Like, I think there's a lot of good story there. That's almost uh, uh, when Steve Austin was a heel... Kind and of, yeah. ECW is taking out WWE, uh, whatever they called ECW and WCW at the time, is taking out WWE, and so he kind of begrudgingly goes out and becomes Stone Cold again and kicks everybody's ass. Yeah. Kind of similar. And I don't know. Evan Wright says Jericho needs to deactivate Twitter if he turns. I saw that. He he's does. kind of, he's kind of, he's not an old guy, but he's starting to show a... Uh, he doesn't think enough sometimes. He's out of that demo in about one week, Jimmy. Yes, Monday he's be... midnight. He's no longer. He can't be the demo god anymore because he's not in the demo. Right, Jericho's going to be fifty. Yeah, because there has been several times now where he puts his foot in his mouth with stuff that he says. Yeah. You uh, know? Another bit of news: Allison Kay announced that she is a free agent. We actually we had her in the the very seat that you're sitting in right now last year. Yep. And um, she was signed to NWA. It is hard for me to think that she doesn't get a look by everybody for a lot of reasons. The women's free agent market should be more competitive than it is right now. AEW needs established on-screen talent. Oh, boy. So Allison and- Kay, Allison Kay sitting in this chair put this on. Yeah. And uh, so I could probably sell this on eBay now. This is an Allison Warren Sean Ross sat mask. What do you think? Uh, Jordan Grace had it, too, for a little bit. I could sell it for even more. This is an Allison K. Jordan Grace worn. She didn't wear it. Oh. I don't think she wanted to wear it. She oh. did want to wear one of our Fightful shirts, but as it turns out, Jimmy, we didn't have any Fightful shirts in the Fightful offices. Yeah, a lot of that is drop shipping based. My God. I'm being anyway, honest. Anyway, 
Allison Kay should probably get a look from AEW because she's an established on-screen talent. WWE wants anybody, period. Ring of Honor is trying to revamp their women's division. And Impact, to me, they're always in the running for a woman. Also, they just lost Kylie Ray, so they got to kind of replenish that because they just added tag titles. So I think that that uh, Allison Kay gets looks from everybody. So I was gonna we're, we're jumping all over my list here, so I'm trying to I'm trying to keep things in order. But uh, let's do this next, I guess. I was gonna play a game with you called Where Will They End Up? Okay. So so let's do that quick now. So the first one on my list was gonna be Allison Kay. I'll say Impact right now, but WWE wouldn't surprise me. Now, I understand this next one's got time left on a curtain deal, but Thunder Rosa. WWE. Or I've got it 5149 WWE AEW. Because she likes to do a lot of outside stuff. She promotes her own shows. Yes. She likes to do MMA. She, I, I think she's going to be like the mother goose of non WWE type of stuff. Like she likes to train people. Right. She's got her hands in production. I think that Thunder Rosa is going to become one of the most powerful women in wrestling. I feel like unless the money's right, AEW is a better fit for her. WWE's got a lot more women's talent. I think that she might get, you know, kind of lost in the waters there more. AEW, I think she could be showcased better. And AEW will allow her to do the outside stuff better, I think. Yes. So unless, again, the WWE offer, money offers is too good to pass up, you know? Yeah. Uh, this next one, and I know he's doing stuff with Ring of Honor, EC3. Uh, Ring of Honor for the rest of the year. Okay. <laughs> I think he's going to do, I think he's going to do his own type of project soon, too. All right, uh, and again, I know that this one still has some obligations. Davy Boy Smith Jr. I would be shocked if he didn't end up in like in probably WWE. I think WWE should pick him up. They should. They yeah. should never cut him to begin with. No, like he's just the lineage, the the history there. You know, like it it, it makes sense to me. This next one, I threw this one in here, even though he's under WWE contract, just because it looks like the writing's on the wall there. Tucker. What do you think the plan is for Tucker? So Tucker, for anybody that doesn't know, number one, he's university educated. Number two, he's an NCAA All-American. Two weeks ago, he lost to Humberto on main event. He lost to Ricochet in two minutes clean as a sheet on Raw. What do you think uh, the plans are for Tucker? To sit around until his contract is up or they do something with heavy machinery. Right, right. It's unfortunate. And they even took his shirt off to make him look more like a scrub, you know? I thought he was a forgotten son. I oh, thought did he was, you? I was like, is that Wesley Blake? <laughs> did they just put him on TV? Uh, Evan Wright says, Tucker being the MVP of AEW Dark, baby, he is good in the ring. He is good We've in the ring. We've seen the improvements that he's made. So the fact that they, they probably, I know they won't have anything for him, is very frustrating because he's worked so hard to get, not just good, yep. to get better than good. Yep, I agree. And he's also a well-spoken, very articulate guy. And he's got the amateur background. But unfortunately, and we've seen this a zillion times, he doesn't have the aesthetic that Vincent Mann likes. They can, they can, and I know Hunter in the past has tried to defend that and say, ah, that's all bullshit. We don't have this cookie cutter thing. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And there have been one-offs. Yeah, you gave Otis a run for a little bit, and then what happened? Now Otis is on the... Otis was the hottest, one of the hottest things in the company around WrestleMania time, one of the hottest things in the company. And everybody raved about how entertaining he was, and now look at him. 
Uh, we had somebody in the chat saying, I thought EC3 was with Impact. Well, you should probably subscribe to FightfulSelect.com <laughs> because I've got news on that today. Uh, are, are we done with that little list? Yes. Okay. Zach Barber says, who does Jericho team with against MJF's inner circle in the eventual blood and guts match? I think that's an interesting pivot from the the elite and what was it? Was it the inner circle that they were going to go against? Yeah, because they did stadium yep. stampede. Yep. Man, that's a good question. Uh, I actually think that we see like a group of super baby faces. I think it'd like, be like a new elite type, like the Bucks are going to be in there, Omega's going to be in there, because the story could be that these were all enemies of Jericho, and now you know he's kind of being brought in. It almost reminds me of Randy Savage had Mr. Perfect as his partner, the Survivor yeah. Series, kind of like that. So I think Tony, they'd probably go in a direction like that. Tony L says AEW needs to sign as many women to its roster badly. I mean not. I mean, yeah, they need to develop more characters is what they need to do badly. Like, they have legit Layla Hirsch working on Dark. If they get her, that's a really good addition. They got, they've got they got a lot of talent that is going to per- be perceived as homegrown. They've signed a lot of good indie wrestlers, so I really like that. I mean, I'll and, say this, sort of cut you up, but in terms of character, to me, Britt Baker, is, is character-wise, is better than anything in WWE aside from Bailey in terms of yeah. character. My opinion. She should... She should be running that division. She should be their champion right now. Turning heel was the best thing that ever happened to her because as a baby face, she was kind of, you know, not really. They were trying to push her as the, as the star. I wasn't feeling it. She turned heel, much like Bailey. Same yes. thing. Turned heel, and she found her stride, and now she's awesome. It's amazing how that works, you know. It's not working. Then people pivot. Roman reigns. And all of a sudden, they're great. Exactly. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Rob Wilkins says... JV, your interview with Scarlett was very moving. Thank you. Scarlett is the mother of uh, six-year-old Jesse Lewis, who was killed in the Sandy Hook elementary school tragedy. Uh, I interviewed her for uh, Grappling with Grief. She Just imagine that heart-wrenching story. You know what I mean? She, she outlined the whole story. She turned it into uh, her own movement called the Choose Love Movement. She even got legislation changed when it comes to uh, the, uh, the uh, education of certain things in school. It's a good story. Yeah. I want to ask you about Kylie Ray. Uh, she knows showed Bound for Glory. She said she's no longer a professional wrestler. Do you have anything new on that? And, and how's she doing? Impact very much left the door open on TV and personally, but there was a lot of concern among the roster. Obviously, when somebody no-shows, there's concern. Yeah. When somebody no-shows a pay-per-view... It, it's not hard to immediately think the worst, considering the history, right? I mean, I don't think that I'm out of pocket by saying a lot of people feared for her safety when something like that happened. Uh, her boyfriend did get back to somebody and say, you know, she's alive, which she has since confirmed. Yeah. Um, and that's what's important. I, I still, I, I do very much think that if Impact knew she was not at the building by the pre-show, they probably should have said Oh, she's not there because I, I think that it didn't age well that they showed her or they they had her entrance music play. Yes, yep. And Deanna had to be like, oh, well, I know she's not com- coming out. I know they also wanted to do it to leave things open, so I understand that. It's such a minor complaint because I think that overall Impact has handled this about as good as they possibly could. Mm-hmm. I have not gotten official word from Impact. But all the wrestlers that I spoke to said that both they and the staff and the company were just worried about Kylie and her safety and all that. I don't think we're ever going to see Kylie Ray wrestling full time again. That is just my 
semi-informed opinion. I, I was lucky enough to interview her earlier this year, mm-hmm. and I don't think we'll see it full-time. It would not surprise me to see her pop up and wrestle a time or two mm-hmm. because she loves wrestling. She yeah. really, really loves wrestling. Uh, it, but she has said that she is unwell, and that's the most important thing. Uh, can't can't find anybody saying a bad thing about Kylie Ray personally because she's a good person, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it sucks. You know what? The business is not for everybody, especially in a full-time business. And I think the problem Kylie Ray is going to have, is, let's say she does decide, okay, I'm ready to make another go of it full-time. The problem she's going to have is I think promoters are going to be reluctant to put her in a prominent position. Sure. Because she's got a bit of a history of this now. And yes. so uh, I'm glad she's all right, and hopefully she's able to overcome those issues. And uh, you never know. I might hit her up for grappling with grief someday, Sean. You know, once, be, once, I mean, once she's over everything. Let me tell you, she couldn't have been more wonderful to deal with. So here was the thing. By the time I had interviewed her, it was almost a full year after she left AEW. She had done one talk with Alicia Atute, which was – Alicia has a nice, nice rapport with wrestlers, and it's more of a conversation, like mm-hmm. friends hanging out and stuff like that. She had appeared on a stream one time and talked a little bit of stuff, but she had not done, like, a full-on interview. And I was at Black Label Pro. Mikey of Black Label Pro, who I love, was so nice – the weekend of revolution he's like hey man come backstage interview who you want to interview i actually interviewed kylie's opponent aj gray one of the top indie stars there is and i got to sit there for like they they worked on their match for like 30 40 minutes and she was so excited and so happy and i wanted to interview her so bad but i also didn't want to put someone on the spot who has openly admitted and said that they've got some anxiety issues and things like that. I thought that would be a really irresponsible thing for me to do. Mm. So I did mention, like, when somebody brought her up, like, oh, you should interview her. I brought that up on Twitter. I was like, oh, I wanted to so bad. And she hit me up immediately, and she said, you should have asked me to. Let's do it. And she did make it very clear beforehand she did not want to talk about her AEW exit. She Mm -hmm. didn't mind talking about AEW, how she got in there, but didn't want to talk about the exit. But it was also made abundantly clear to me, as she made it in that Instagram post last year, nobody made her leave AEW. There were so many stupid rumors going around. And there were so many stupid rumors. And Jimmy, you, I know that you heard a lot of them. I heard them from people that were in AEW, in Impact, that trained with her, her friends, uh, people close to her, promoters. All these people that said that they knew the real answer, but they I, I could get double-sourced anything, anything. And there's no way they could have worked in conjunction. And at that time, I said, you know what? It's probably irresponsible for me to report any of this stuff unless she says it. And she went out of her way to say, nobody made me leave AEW. <clears throat> Pardon. From what I understand, it's much like that here. It's mm-hmm. a personal thing. That's just my experience in speaking with her, speaking with others. And, uh, yeah, it, well, it's a bummer. I remember uh, after one of the AEW shows, Tony Khan was asked. Matter of fact, I can't recall. You might have been the one that asked him. I was. And Tony Khan said straight up she asked for a release. And, and he, he was very uh, – because obviously he knew then more than we did at the time. Sure. And now we so, know more. He, but he was very respectful. And all he said is she asked for a release. That's, you know, he kept it very short. So I, I do know a lot more about what happened, but out of privacy, out of respect to her, that, that's her story yeah, to tell. Yeah. But 
she was pulled from Fighter Fest in late June and went off of social media June 2019. Didn't appear again until like October. Mm -hmm. So she's pulled from that show. July, August, we don't know what's happening. I had reached out to AEW multiple times. They didn't want to comment on the matter. I don't know if they thought that they would be able to get her back. I mean, I've got a little bit more on that, too, that, that will be on select in the coming weeks when I, I nail down some more comments. But she, her status wasn't known. And then that was the first thing I asked Tony. And I said, was it amicable? And he said, yeah, mm -hmm. she's great. She's really nice. We like her. But she asked for her release, and we granted it to her. And that's, that's the first we knew about it. And then the next month, she popped up at an indie show. A few months later, she was signed at Impact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, after this, if you go to FightfulSelect.com, we are going to do The List Goes On. We're going to talk about what's next for John Moxley and Roman Reigns. We're going to talk about Ronda Rousey. We're going to talk about ACH. Never thought I'd ever talk about him again, but we're going to talk about ACH. We're going to talk about The New Day. Might even talk about Jim Hurd. Uh, wow. But I got one more thing uh, for the list today. Uh, COVID and WWE. Is it true... Because I read this, uh, I believe you posted the story, and I read this, and at this point, nothing should surprise me. Is it true that in NXT, where they had the most recent outbreak, classes have resumed, yep. and they're still not doing daily testing? Yep. They're is. still not doing daily testing. No. No. They should be testing, or they should be maybe, maybe doing training Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That way they can test in between each one. And they're not. You know, I but, talked last week about that that rat. You know that rat? And he can hit the green button or the red button. Yeah. He, WWE's just, they're pounding that red button. They they're sure like are. They're like full fist pounding that red button. I, I, I just, it's unfathomable. Yeah. How, what's it going to take for them to get their heads out of their asses? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. They're never going to figure it out. They're going to have 13 outbreaks. In NXT and WWE, they're never going to figure shit out. Never. And and you can get rapid tests now. You can get the results, and I, th I think they're like 90% accurate. You can get results in like, what is it, like 10 minutes or something, like very quickly? 15, I think, yeah. Come on. That's what the people in AEW tell me. Come on. Evan Wright sends a super chat to wrap us up and says, The Kylie stuff hurts so much because I remember her being so happy about that match she got with Alex Shelley. She paved the way for a lot of women on the indies. Yeah, she actually got that match because of Ben Carter getting covid and she was tearful and didn't get to happen. Um, all right. Yeah, I think it did get to happen. I think they did that one. And then maybe she didn't get to do her last match against Killer Kelly. Guys, join Fightful Select. We got the list goes on. But I am rejoining the AEW NXT post show review tonight. We are streaming the Cody Rhodes media call Thursday. I'll have SmackDown Friday. And then we've got AEW Full Gear Saturday. I'll be live streaming the scrums there as well. Till next time. Hey, Sean, do you miss what? this? Do you miss this? No, not at all. I do not miss my long hair. <laughs> do I need to get another one made with the short hair now? Yeah, send me that one. <laughs> See you on the right. list goes on. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.